Hello, Bill Boyd here once again with the North Carolina Study Center. This past uh, week, past few days, the Atlantic has been commissioning different people to give commencement addresses, and one of the people was the uh, columnist and journalist David Brooks. And Brooks, uh, near the end of uh, this, he calls it uh, a commencement address too honest to give in person, and it's uh, highly worth tracking down and reading. Uh, but he says this, he says, a few years ago, I was teaching students at a highly competitive college. And at the same time, I was leading seminars for 30 and 40 somethings, many of whom had gone to the same college. And I assigned the same essay to both groups, an essay on Tolstoy by the political philosopher Isaiah Berlin. The college students found it easy to read. Uh, it's not that hard of an essay to grasp. The 30 and 40 somethings really struggled. Their reading comprehension ability had declined in the decades since college, and so had their ability to play with ideas. That is, the upper limit of their mind was lower than it used to be. In college, says Brooks, you get assigned hard things. You're taught to look at paintings and think about science in challenging ways. After college, most of us resolve to keep doing this kind of thing, but we're busy and our brains are tired at the end of the day, and months and years go by, and we get caught up in stuff and settle for consuming Twitter, Twitter and, frankly, journalism, and our maximum taste shrinks. Have you ever noticed, says Brooks, that 70% of the people you know are more boring at 30 than they were at 20? But then a pandemic hits, and suddenly you have time to read Henry James and Marilyn Robinson and so to really look at Rembrandt and Rothko, and suddenly you feel your consciousness expanding once again, and the old intellectual muscles come back. In other words, at such a time as this, it might be good for us to visit or revisit someone like Augustine. And uh, that's why the past two days, and continuing um, tomorrow and two more days of this week, we've been looking at Augustine's own Christian doctrine. It's a small work, but it is one of those works uh, that, that you have to chew on uh, a lot. But the benefit of it is just a little of it will um, give you a lot to chew on for a long time, actually. So I thought I would continue to um, either introduce again or reintroduce you uh, to some of these things. Yesterday, we, from the very beginning, we looked at what Augustine uh, he says that there are, uh, in doctrine, two things, really, things and signs. And, and the things are either to be enjoyed or to be used. Um, and you can go back to listen and listen to that uh, from yesterday if you'd like to. But ultimately, um, those things that are either to be uh, enjoyed or used, uh, Augustine says of them this. He says, the things which are to be enjoyed are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A single trinity, a certain supreme thing common to all who enjoy it, if indeed it is a thing and not rather the cause of all things, or both a thing and a cause. It's not easy to find a name proper to such excellence, unless it is better to say that this trinity is one God and that of him and by him and in him are all things. Thus, there are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and each is God, and at the same time, 
all are one God. And each of them is a full substance, and at the same time, all are one substance. The Father is neither the Son nor the Holy Spirit. The Son is neither the Father nor the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is neither the Father nor the Son. But the Father is the Father, uniquely. The Son is the Son, uniquely. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, uniquely. All three have the same eternity, the same immutability, the same majesty, and the same power. In the Father is unity, in the Son, equality, and in the Holy Spirit, a concord or harmony of unity and equality. And these three qualities are all one because of the Father, all equal because of the Son, and all united because of the Holy Spirit. A few paragraphs over, uh, Augustine says, he says, look, we would not be able to think this way, to take this in, except that wisdom, capital W, himself saw fit to make himself congruous with our infirmity and to set an example of living for us, not otherwise than as a man, since we ourselves are men. Since we do wisely when we come to him, he was thought by proud men to do foolishly when he came to us. And since when we come to him, we grow strong, he was thought by proud men to be weak when he came to us. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Although he is our native country, he made himself also the way to that country. Although to the healthy and pure internal eye, he is everywhere present, he saw fit to appear to those whose eye is weak and impure, and even to fleshly eyes, foreseeing that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, 1 Corinthians one twenty one. Thus, he is said to have come to us, not from place to place through space, but by appearing to mortals in mortal flesh. He came to a place where he already was. For he was in the world, and the world was made by him. But since men were made conformable to this world by a desire to enjoy creatures instead of their creator, whence they are most aptly called the world, they did not know him. So that, as the evangelist says, the world knew him not. Thus, in the wisdom of God, the world could not know God through wisdom, why did he come when he was already here unless, quote, 
it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And how did he come? Except that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It is as when we speak, in order that what we are thinking may reach the mind of the listener through the fleshly ears, that which we have in mind is expressed in words and it is called speech. But our thought is not transformed into sounds. It remains entire thought in itself and assumes the form of words by means of which it may reach the ears without suffering any deterioration in itself. In the same way, the word of God was made flesh without change that he might dwell among us. Much to chew on indeed. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.